Hi, my name is Marissa Klein. I'm the founder of Choice Fashion and Media and co-host of the career inspiration podcast, The Dreamcatchers. And I am Jamie Stozer, the other co-host of The Dreamcatchers and the VP of Fashion and Media at Choice Associates. Up next is a special edition of The Dreamcatchers. We've curated our favorite dreamers and doers for an inspirational conversation. Thanks for joining us and hope you enjoy. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jamie Stozer. I'm one half of the Dreamcatchers with my sister, Marissa, down here at the other end. I'm the other half. Um, Thank you for being here. This is our first How It Works at Night. So thank you for staying after work or coming. How many here are here that work in the building? Okay, so most of you came down after work. How many are not from the building that came? Oh, still half and half. Okay. Fabulous. Um, So just a little background fast. Uh, We typically do this during the day upstairs in the middle of like Bell Market. So we get audience coming and just grabbing a salad and joining us. So we're so thrilled to see so many faces tonight. We weren't sure how it was going to go down. So thank you for joining us. Obviously, booze and CBD helps, I'm sure. so, and just a little bit more background also, um, we work on these events, and thank you for to our team at um, MPZ Design, Paola and Brooke and her team. Um, they asked us about three months ago now, this is our fourth installment, do I, can we get rid of the music or no? Do we like this background music? Is it, is it, distra- like like, is it distracting my sister? Can you tell? Is anybody a Bruce fan? I just feel like I'm Bruce and like, you know, like I'm telling my story like while just playing like my notes. Thank you, Bruce. Um, so, so Brooke and Paula and the team at MPZ um, are responsible for bringing people into the building and building the buzz of Bellworks and creating community here. And Marissa and I are collab members, and we decided to partner with them um, back in, I guess it was October, November, to start these How It Works events. So tonight we're going to be here talking about CBD and liquor, both of which hopefully you had a chance to sample a little bit of our panelists stuff. So what we're going to do today is kind of introduce our panel first and we're going to talk to them a little bit why they do what they do and a little bit more about CBD and spirits. So first and foremost, um, we will have our panelists actually introduce themselves. We think that's usually best to hear what it is that they do and a little about a bit about you. So just tell us who you are and what you do. Just quickly, because we're going to end up going into a little bit more about what you do. So if you want to start. You want to get back to the whiskey. Yeah, of course, because everybody wants to get back to the whiskey. So I'm Sean Mack. I'm a uh, partner with Pashman Stein. We're a law firm upstairs in this building. Uh, I had our commercial litigation practice, but more interestingly, I found five years ago, started our cannabis and hemp practice. Uh, This was back before New Jersey was really doing a whole lot, and Christy was trying to make sure nothing happened. Sure. Um, So it's been a fun couple of years watching this industry begin to grow in New Jersey. I love it. We're going to get into that. Hi, I'm Maya, and um, I own a psychotherapy uh, practice here in a yoga studio, and I use CBD as part of the practice in um, healing anxiety and depression. Amazing. Good evening. Uh, Andy Nash. I'm uh, a group director of marketing for Proximo Spirits, which, uh, amongst other things, is the owner of the world's oldest whiskey distillery. Um, and recently completed my master's, um, my MBA, including my thesis, which was all around uh, recreational cannabis and impact on alcohol. My name is Robin Green, and I'm the chief strategy officer at Hayoma. Hayoma is a plant-based skincare company, um, super clean, super high-end, 
vegan friendly, cruelty free. Um, and prior to joining Hayoma, I spent about 15 years of my career in spirits. So this is like totally my wheelhouse. <laughs> wheelhouse. Hi everyone, I'm Kate Laufer Gorenstein. I'm actually Monmouth County, uh, born and raised, and now I own a PR agency in the city where we specialize in wine, spirits, and CBD. And everybody, I'm the other half of the Dreamcatchers. I'm Marissa Kay. I do not have an MBA, um, nor did I write a thesis, but I am now currently residing in Monmouth County and am so thankful to Paula and Brooke and the team here at Bellworks for inviting us in and letting us do these really fun panels, which brings me closer to people and unpacking what they do, which is my favorite, favorite hobby and pastime after many years of running a staffing firm with my sister and working for our father in the city. So with that said, we've now introduced this incredible panel, which by the way, I think for all of us, each person on this panel brings a different point of view. Um, also, I tasted the whiskey I more than I more than tasted the whiskey, yeah. so, we'll, so see. Also, we'll see how this is going to go down. I haven't tasted whiskey. I also whiskey. had a, a cut water can cocktail, yeah. so. I haven't tasted I whiskey since the it. incident sophomore year. So, um, <laughs> with that said, it is an evening event, so it's okay. Um, and hopefully some of that commentary goes over our friend's head over here. Um, okay, so when we start, we like to start from the beginning, which is in honor of who we are and what we do, is we basically like to get to know each other a little bit better in the way Jamie and I like to get to know people, which is the Dreamcatcher's way. And we ask our people, especially since we have a lawyer who specializes in the CBD business and somebody that sells a 400-year-old distillery product and somebody that's selling beauty, um, plant-based, which is fancy way of saying cannabis, right? Um, what did you want to be when you grow up? Because I'm going to go with it wasn't that. <laughs> Sean? Well, when I realized I couldn't be the catcher for the Mets, I had to yes. come up with a new idea. My dad says the same thing, but he says the center fielder for the Yankees. So, so yeah. 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 I, I, probably, I figured it out. I had a better shot. Yeah, you had a better shot. Way better shot. No, I wanted to be a doctor. And I wanted to help people. And then in high school, realized I wasn't so good with blood or chemistry and realized that wasn't going to happen. Um, so then I realized, hey, lawyers, they help people. And that's kind of how I fell into becoming a lawyer. And the interesting thing for me now in the cannabis space, especially in New Jersey, where it's sort of a wild west and the laws are barely written, is not only helping people, it's helping the government figure out what to do, what the laws should say, and really helping to create this industry here. So it's sort of sort of on the path of what I was trying to do at the beginning. I like it. Maya, did you always want to be a... Yep. Did I you? love it. Really? <laughs> Were you the person that everyone asked for advice yep. in like seventh grade? Yep. Go ahead. Tell yeah, us. Yeah. So um, I was always that go-to girl. Um, I was always like the dead mother when everybody was high and drunk on the floor. <laughs> uh, I was high and drunk, but standing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is why it's a nighttime one. Yeah. yeah. So um, no, no, I'm just kidding. Anyways. Um, so yeah, I was always that go-to person and I was always interested in how um, the mind worked and why we did the things we did and why we behaved the way we did. It was something that I was interested in when I was in probably already fourth and fifth grade um, and it just kind of grew from there. So yeah, absolutely. It's rare to know what you want to do that young. Good for you. Yeah, not easy. Yeah, not no. easy. Andy? Andy? Um, I didn't know this existed when I was young. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I might have said that. Uh, growing up in South London, I 
in case you didn't spot my accent, it's not from around here. Um, I, thought you were from, I thought you were from Bergen County. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a very, very pronounced yeah. Bergen yeah. County accent. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a cop in South London, um, and uh, that worked out well. Um, so, yeah, that's what I wanted to do uh, until I had a great teacher at school that talked me out of that and said, go to, go to college. And I went to college and spent a few years enjoying college uh, <laughs> and then went to work for a, a whiskey company. Um, and I've pretty much been in that industry ever since. Everything he says sounds like we're watching Love Actually. Everything about it just right? sounds better. Or, or a always. gecko. Or yeah. a gecko commercial. Yeah, right. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I think of Love Actually first. Robin? I wanted to be a lawyer. So I feel like, you know, I started, uh, I had an internship after after my first year of college. Where'd you go to college, Robin? University of Michigan, go blue. Go blue, baby. Every time. Um, Ming too, by the way, our sound guy, Share Universe, every single episode of our podcast, we say go blue at some point. So uh, very perfect. easy. There you go. Right, easy, right in there. Right in there. Um, so I started studying for my LSAT and I was um, a PR intern at TV Guide. Remember when that was around? Oh, yeah. Love TV Guide. Love TV Guide. Right? And I just found, you know, doing the interviews with Alicia Silverstone and way more exciting. Mm -hmm. And then my career kind of just spiraled from there, working on an agency in PR and then growing to working in-house on individual brands. That's where I learned about the great world of spirits. Um, and then it landed me where I am today. You happened to meet this girl. Right. I happened to meet Kate. I do want to hear about that Kate. story in a minute. Go ahead. Kate, introduce okay. yourself first so we can find out how you guys met. Um, I actually wanted to be in finance, and that's where I started. So through college, I had internships at Merrill Lynch. I then went on um, to be a business major with a concentration in managerial finance. Uh, started work right out of school at a mutual fund company on Fifth Avenue and was approached by a friend of mine who was leaving a job in PR. She said, I really think you have a knack for this. I said, I don't even know what PR is, but I will go to an interview. So um, I basically went on an interview. I was sitting next to 12 girls. They asked me some questions. Um, and next thing you know, I had a job. I quit my career in finance and started as receptionist at a PR agency. Good for you. By we the way, that is a phenomenal story. We tell our, we tell our candidates all That's the time. That's the opposite yeah. of every single thing I've ever done in 15 years. I love it. Amazing. Thank you. I love that. So can you tell me how you know Robin? Because I love this story and it's so good. Sure. So fast forward a few years into working in PR. Um, I was at an agency no longer working the phones and a fax machine back then. Um, we were on a press trip to the Cognac region of France. You have to actually fly into Paris and take a train through the countryside to the Cognac region. And on that train, I sat next to a brunette uh, who sounded like me and had the same interests. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, we realized that we were both living on the Upper West Side in New York, worked in the same industry, had a lot in common, and became fast uh, best friends. I love it. Isn't that great? Yeah. Now we live in the same town. Now we live in the same town, all of us, which is so lovely. Um, so obviously, you all kind of you started doing something that wasn't necessarily what you do now, except for Maya. Maya. <laughs> so we like to talk a lot of, on our podcast and in general to people about their aha moment or like when their light turned on, like what, when you were like, you know what, this is something I wanted to do. Like, I'd love to hear from you, like why you decided to all of a sudden start or help start a piece of your practice in the cannabis industry or for you necessarily, you know, that you always knew you wanted to kind of be that den mother, but how you decided to go out on your own. So I'd love to hear from each of you a little bit about your aha moment, like why <clears throat> you're doing what you're currently doing. Part of it being a lawyer, you're always looking for new clients. But, right. You know, 
got to pay the bill somehow. Sure. And so always looking for an industry, some sort of new niche to, to get into. And six years ago, the ACLU came to my firm. We do a lot of work with them. And they were explaining to us this real problem of social injustice in New Jersey and across this country in terms of arrest rates, minorities versus whites on marijuana. And they were starting this project to legalize marijuana in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And we said, you know what, that's something we can really get behind and really try to help them work with work with them to do that and to get involved at the beginning and trying to do that. And so what we ended up doing is drafting one of the first major pieces of uh, legislation to legalize marijuana in New Jersey. And then it was introduced by one of the senators. Thank and you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Thank you. Um, on behalf of a lot of us. Um, so, no, I love that. And what made you decide to want to be part of that, though, that practice? Like, what did why, why you necessarily versus your whole firm to head that up? <clears throat> I think I share a lot of the, the values. A lot of other people in my firm. This was this was this was an important issue. Sure. I mean, you look at the numbers and it's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, the statistics don't lie. I mean, people talk about statistics, but these statistics don't lie, and it's ridiculous. And this this was real a way to do something, have an impact in this state, and in a way. Look, as lawyers, we can do certain things to have an impact, and this was one way that we could try to have an impact in our state. I love it. Awesome. What about you, Maya? What was your so aha gonna, moment to, I'm to go out on your own? I'm going to twist your question around. Go ahead, please. So twist I didn't really away. have any aha moments. Yeah. Mine were kind of like, so mine was the opposite, meaning a lot of people were like, don't go into the mental health field and um, don't pursue mental health because it's not glamorous. It's not beautiful. Um, it doesn't pay well. You know, there's a lot of stigma around mental health and being a therapist when I was starting out. And I guess my aha moment was that I decided to kind of reinvent it and that's why I love having my private practice here at Bellworks because when you come in it doesn't look like a psychotherapeutic office or I don't look like some kind of you know old mean therapist that's gonna you know like make you feel terrible and, and good at all at the same time I kind of take a whole different approach on it so I guess my aha moment was that you could take a career and kind of like reinvent it and make it fresh and new so I make mental health and therapy more accessible and fresh and young and, and, and for people to come in and not feel like they're sick, but rather that they're on their way to even being better or creating a more optimal self. So you didn't twist my question. I love that answer. Yeah. And you know what? I think I'm ready to lay down on the not sofa. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah, the yeah, non sofa. Exactly. I'm in. It's a beanbag. Okay. I'm ready. It's a beanbag chair. I'll take a beanbag chair. It sounds great. What about you, Andy? Um, well, I mean, I started as, you know, I was selling booze in South London, so not particularly glamorous. Um, and the company I worked for, they had, some, they had some interesting products, but I wasn't really a whiskey drinker or anything like that at the time. Um, then had a meeting and uh, at this meeting after dinner, an older gentleman in his 60s, uh, John Campbell, an older Scottish gentleman, like a wonderful guy just asked me, he said, Andy, will you have a dram? I was like, I wanted to be polite. I'm like, okay, well, pour me some of that stuff. And um, I took a sip of this weird, wonderful liquid um, that was made in little distillery off the, in, on the Hebridean Islands of Scotland. And it smelt like bonfires and seaweed and all kind of really glamorous and de delightful, right? It smelt of all these kind of wonderful things. Um, and I tasted it and it was just like nothing I'd ever tasted before. It was sweet, it was, uh, it was salty, it was all this kind of crazy stuff. And had a great conversation with this gentleman for the next 20 minutes about this whiskey. Um, and I realized at that point, one, I really loved the whiskey, but two, I really loved the conversation and the education piece about it. Uh, and at that point, I was like, well, actually, I want to switch from being like in sales, just kind of selling boxes 
uh, to kind of moving over to the marketing and the education side of it, which is um, kind of where I've been um, ever since and realized that there's, you know, 100 plus distilleries in Scotland. Uh, there's now about 30 distilleries in Ireland, all making wonderful products, which are fantastic for uh, enjoying and just opening up really good and meaningful conversation. Robin, that's easy to follow. No, yeah. I mean, he said the word Seriously. bonfire. Um, okay, so my aha moment was probably when I was working at the at the agency where um, Kate and I had this press trip to cognac together. Um, I was working on a cognac brand that was one of the most special, unique, prestigious cognacs in the world. And spending time really learning that brand story and meeting the people growing the grapes and um, you know creating the <laughs> barrels and really understanding every element of the production and the development of the product really made me feel so much more part of the story and the brand and that kind of like opened my eyes to the fact that I could help potentially craft and create brands um, so you know, this opportunity where I am now working at Hayoma, I was invited by two of the founders to join the company um, when they were in the beginning of, you know, it was a concept. There was no product. Um, there was no um, packaging finalized. There was no, there was, you know, there was an idea. So I joined, you know, our CEO and we really, be, we were really able to architect a brand from, the beginning and that was a really exciting opportunity and I feel like that initial experience where I got to see so many pieces of understanding how a rich story can build a brand really kind of led me to creating the defensible brand that I feel like I built today for Hama with my team. Has anyone, has anyone tried cognac in here? Okay. Do you, Jason, I'm just curious. I don't know if I've ever sipped cognac. Oh, I have so much. I'm happy to we share. We change that. We have, I mean, yeah. Kate and that's I. Right, but that's the correct verb. Like, you sip it, correct? Um, there's a lot of ways you can drink it. It depends on yeah. the mark. Um, there's an XO. It depends on, on what higher you end. want. I like to drink that straight or over ice. There's some that you can make cocktails. Some like to guzzle it. Oh, that is another verb that I've heard. South London for you. Okay, yeah. um, Kate. What about you, Kate? So I've had an interesting run. I have always kind of been the right hand to the you know president or CEO, and you know coined as if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. I have had great experiences working for others. I was actually you know sitting in George Clooney's living room pitching him business. Um, I've been to Hawaii, London, everywhere, and while people always told me start your own company, I thought. Well, one, I'm terrified, but two, why would I do that when I can do all this for free on somebody else's stress? Um, fast forward to four years ago, and I was actually pregnant and on maternity leave with my first kid. <coughs> and um, I, the company I was working for was acquired, and um, Casamigos, which you know was George Clooney's tequila, said if you start your own if you start your own agency, we will be your first client. And I was I was terrified, but the fear of leaving my son and not being present in his many firsts in life was more terrifying than the fear of failing on my own. And I always say that you have to have a fear greater than another in order to kind of take that step and get something done. So that is when I started my agency. 
I love that. Pretty so good first client to have. I don't no, know about you guys. Second client. I'm very thankful for all Robin the hard work that you've client. done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've spent a lot of time in my house with George's product. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it's interesting. This is where I, I sometimes will get deep in our conversations. You know, I look around the room. I, when you choose to come to something like this, are you coming for enrichment? Are you coming because you want to hear other people speak? Are you interested in working in this field? Um, is it just something really fun to do and local in your area, which I would say all these boxes would be checked. But I look here and I see a common thread that would not normally be picked out, okay? And what I see is you have a group of individuals that are coming into a business that is what most would call non-traditional business, correct? And each of them do it because they want to help other people, which is probably why, no shock, that they're on this panel because that's what Jamie and I love to do. But what I think is interesting and an overarching thing to, to comment as we start to get further into their choice and their industry and, and whatnot is life is short, there's a beginning, there's an end, and there are a lot of things that are tough, and there are a few things that bring a lot of joy. And each person here contributes some of the joys, whether it's okay or not, that we all indulge in. Correct. So, you know, if, if Sean, who's doing it in a more serious, traditional way, is enabling people to either equal, equal rights and or help people build businesses or let Jamie do what she wants to do, which her big sister closes her eyes to. Um, you know, I think that's important that's to life. say. And then yeah, you have gotcha. Maya, who's normalizing um, everything that you said to me sounded like normalizing mental stig uh, stigmas against mental health, which frankly is a world that goes hand in hand with other stigma businesses, which would be what we're talking about, right? Um, and you see the passion that everybody's bringing to the table. I find it fascinating. And that's what, you know, why we do what we yeah, do. Yeah, that turns my light on. So anyway, we've already covered something that we always talk about is if you work at a Bellworks, um, and we handled that already. Is anybody's and first time in Bellworks tonight? And? And what do you think? Besides when you're pulling in and you're like, where do I go? Like, yeah, what? This is huge. This and is how so did they, big. How did they hide such a big building? Right. All those trees. <laughs> right. It was, it was like the TARDIS, it was pretty incredible. Right, yeah. Um, so, you know, we took space here, um, you know, middle of last year in the co-lab space, which is the co-working space. Um, and it's just awesome here. So we always like to plug Bellworks a little bit while we're in the building, because why not? And look at this awesome uh, ballroom, ballroom there. back there. Shameless plug. We're having an event in there that we have some flyers out um, on April 26th, the Leadership Summit. So feel free to check that out on our website and on our flyers. But we got to fill that room. So feel free to buy tickets and fill that room with us. I want to ask our audience something. We're a small group and you know, I have all of your attention. So how many of you, and please do not be shy, um, were here because you wanted to understand what it would be like to have a career in this industry? Okay, Joe, who was early, right? There were two like people that. that were here early and they were both named Joe. <laughs> was trying to confuse me, right? Um, so, Joe, I think I'll ask the crew for you, um, and then also for inquiring minds. Working in a non-traditional space, as I mentioned, is fascinating for all of us. And I just kind of want to know, in layman's terms, what's your favorite part? Robin, what's your favorite part about launching a beauty brand that is luxury and now sold at Neiman Marcus and collaborating with Vince and using CBD as, or marijuana as a main product, <laughs> ingredient? So, 
CBD is what we use. We don't use marijuana. Forgive me. That was the whiskey. It's not my fault. It was Andy Nash's fault. Actually, will you back up a minute and educate the audience and us and my sister on the difference? Yes. So the cannabis sativa is a plant and CBD is extracted from the plant um, it has healing topically which is how we use it, it I did that healing on and anti-inflammatory properties Good lay, lay up there and um, and it's it's nourishing to the skin it's healing calming it feels really good. It reduces redness. It helps with inflammation. So utilizing a CBD product is mm-hmm. not the same thing as utilizing marijuana and the, and the rec. No, there's use. no correlation. There, no, there's there's no. It just comes from the same plant. Exactly. Am I? I know that part. Am I the only one so that needed to be clarified? <laughs> and then, Sean, what is fascinating, or what obviously you know. When I think of a, a lawyer, I don't necessarily think of somebody that is going to have charisma and is gonna sit on this panel and is gonna talk about his or her journey in the cannabis world. Tell me, what, what, what intrigued you, other than the fact that it was new business? One of the most interesting things about this for me is this is a once in a career opportunity where you're in a field, an industry that didn't exist and every opportunity is new. And I get phone calls from people all the time saying, I wanna get involved in this space. You know, New Jersey just had two, last two years application windows to apply to run dispensaries. And everyone's like, I wanna, I wanna run a dispensary. I'm like, well, what's your background? Uh, I'm a truck driver. Mm. Okay, how about you get a license to deliver or work with a company that's making it and you can help deliver it. You start a transport company. I'm a plumber. Well, why don't you take your plumbing skills and bring it and, and work with people, figure out the best way to irrigate. They need so much plumbing in these facilities. I'm an electrician. Uh, find the skills you have and apply it to this new industry. And that's been really- that advice all the time. And as far as career changers in general, is to take what you already know and apply it to something new. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's very smart. Maya, how can our audience, actually wait, audience, Joe, if you have specific questions, I'm gonna come back to you, okay? I'm just not trying to like, Point you I'm really proud that I, I'm proud that I remembered your name and also didn't know the difference between the two items. Um, how many people in our audience, and please do not be afraid to speak up, think about or wonder about how they can use CBD in their life? Whether it's for falling asleep, okay, so that's a lot of the room. Anxiety, I do, I am privy to all this skincare. We all want to look younger. So Maya, perhaps you can, shed some light on why CBD has made it into your practice um, and or mention to this inquiring minds that would want to know how they too could learn a, li- a little bit about and what how how do they know what to buy yeah well there was there was a lot of questions sorry there, so I'll start. Why don't you start, start with the one you know the most um, I know a little bit about all of them and I think in general we all don't know enough because it's a fairly new field so in terms of like the brain research and the information into how uh, CBD actually affects our brain is that we have in place an endocannabinoid system within our body and without boring you too much about how the brain works basically CBD activates the endocannabinoid system that's already in place that's already in your body um, and it activates certain receptors it helps with neuroplasticity so it affects memory 
appetite. It affects all different parts of your brain because the system's already in place. What CBD does is it activates the system and it makes the system work better. So that's pretty much what CBD is doing before you know I start to use all these terms that are going to kind of bore you. So what it does is, in terms of if someone has anxiety or depression, insomnia, or something where there's inflammation in their body, CBD helps to activate the system that's in place, the endocannabinoid system, and it starts to work better. Okay, so SSRIs are something that we use as antidepressants. That's what SSRIs do. So actually, they've done a lot of uh, research, unfortunately, on animal studies, right? And when they give um, uh, CBD oil to mice, for example, the mice experience the same effects they would on antidepressants from from CBD, which I think is pretty amazing. So for me, in being in this field, being in the mental health field, if I can help people to avoid going on medication and give them something where they could use for their anxiety, depression, is it going to like remove trauma you had from 20 years ago? No. But is it going to help you to get to therapy and work on the things that you need to work on without, you know, being too upset about it or procrastinating or, you know, preventing you from even getting here and getting the work done? Yeah, it's going to help you to do that. It's going to help you to sleep better, to feel better. It's going to boost your mood. It's going to help you to do that. And that's what's cool about CBD is that it kind of goes and works where it needs to work. And Andy, I think you said something when we were talking before when you poured my sip. I remember it. And you were saying something about the industry. That was beautiful, Maya. Um, and the difference between you know one product versus the other and not really knowing. And maybe that was something that you wrote about in your thesis. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Maybe some of the people in here, maybe they're afraid to learn more about CBD because if you don't know where you're getting it from and or you're not sure what you're ingesting, um, the differences between what one thing could feel like versus another thing. And I think we were maybe talking more about true cannabis and not CBD, but I, I thought what you said before was kind of profound. Yeah, and, and what was interesting was, um, I mean, I studied that um, as part of my master's because I, I was genuinely very interested in it and found that there's a huge amount of confusion in the space in terms of um, what is, you know, in terms of marijuana, in terms of CBD, in terms of what, you know, um, like like medical cannabis and the uses of like medical cannabis versus um, recreational cannabis. And one of the interesting parts when you look at things like recreational um, is the, the, the THC levels in it. And THC is the, the, um, the, the psychoactive ingredient in, uh, in cannabis. And there's a lot of people who are looking at this and measuring the industry and all these pieces on what they did at college, you know, 20 years ago where the THC content might be about 2%. And because of the way that strains have been grown and concentrated and what is available now, you might be getting 20 or 30% in there. So the difference being, and I, think I liken that to, to, to booze, is like having a pint of beer and knowing what that impact will be on your body and having a pint of whiskey. And, not, and the impact can be as, as profoundly different as those. And because there's not a huge amount of education or research in the industry, because a lot of research, there wasn't a huge amount of research carried out by any university. Uh, and this is one of the things I found when I was writing my thesis is there was just no real studies done because 
um, because of con the Controlled Substances Act, it wasn't legal to have the drugs on a university campus or anywhere else that would actually research it. So there's a huge area right now where we just don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and so, and it was said in the, the, the one moment of clarity in the debates last night is, um, Mayor Bloomberg mentioned this and he said, we don't know what the impact of this is going to be, especially on like young people's brains. And he was talking obviously about THC and like recreational cannabis. And he's absolutely right because the, the potencies and concentrations are far greater than was ever before. Um, the impact of it, which has been really glossed over in states that have got, like Colorado has had huge growth of um, emergency room visits for anxiety um, and panic attacks because it's just the impact that it has on someone's body. And none of this has really been studied effectively because of the Controlled Substances Act. So it's a fascinating area to look at and, and, and it's something that I wanted to get involved in because obviously I work in a very regulated industry in liquor, but we've been making whiskey for 400 years. So we kind of know what the impacts are on, you know, on your, on your metabolism, on your brain and, on, on, you know, we know that you shouldn't drink as much as some people do. There's some people who have, there's some people who are predisposed to addiction, whatever it may be. And they should never touch our products. So, but we know all of those things, um, and we have a very regulated way of doing that. And right now, that doesn't exist in the cannabis space. So, in the in the the THC, the psychoactive space, it doesn't exist. And that, to me, is a really fascinating thing. As the law develops, um, is whether lawmakers will keep up with what's actually going on at the sort of street level and what the the manufacturers are doing. And, and you know, there's a huge like. Uh, experiment going on in Canada right now uh, where so many products are coming to market and so many things are being tried and there's again there's not the research or anything else to back up to see is it safe and healthy or not it's mind-blowing actually listening to you talk I never thought about that but no. it's, it's, it's on the campus the so you can't do the research yep. but it's actually the same thing it's the same issue with CBD also I mean it's the wild west out there there's very little research as to the benefits of CBD that's really firmly documented. Yeah. So then as marketers and brilliant people that make brands, and I'm sure, and, and both of you as personal friends of mine and also very smart businesswomen, prefer to align yourself with brands that are authentic and that you believe in, how do you determine as brand strategists so that the consumer can then trust? You know, how do we know, how do we know what we're doing? Like when I buy Kleenex, I know it's a solid tissue, right? How do I learn as a consumer what to look for? And then basically you all are webbing that story for all of us. For us, it's transparency. I mean, we're completely transparent about every element of every product that's every, I'm sorry, rather ingredient that's in our products. Um, we recognize the benefits of CBD. Like I said, you know, it's anti-inflammatory. It's they reduce, reduces redness. It's calming. But we also believe in the power of the many other plants that are out there, which is why, you know, we chose to formulate our Hayoma products with other super powerful other adaptogenic plant ingredients as well because you know you like you can't really make any claims about what a cbd product can do to your skin um because there's nothing that's um firm and proven and clinical but you can um talk about how you know yarrow increases circulation and um you know nettle is anti-inflammatory 
So sure. building those ingredients into our products allow us to also speak to the great benefits of CBD, but as a company, be able to build that trust, like you said, by having ingredients that are proven and having um, you know herbs and, and, and things that we, we can tie back to research that show that have the benefits that we want the products to demonstrate. We have received a lot of inquiries at the PR agency, you know, not only spirits, but CBD. Um, and we did actually take on one CBD brand. The reason we took them on is because it was actually founded by two former athletes. But what really intrigued me about them was that they um, guarantee 100% THC free and they self-regulate. They go the extra step. There are really only a handful of brands that do that. It costs them a lot more and they are doing things a little bit differently. They are not promoting, you know, a gummy or, or anything of that nature. They are doing, you know, blends where you can mix that within your drink, one for, um, you know, clarity in the morning and one for dream and, you know, peaceful sleep at night or tinctures, you know, I just think that, you know, as marketers, as publicists, we need to, and as consumers, we need to really go the extra mile and, and dig in a little bit deeper to learn more about the brands that we're ingesting. Do you find that you're getting more inquiries from the CBD space because you are kind of known to be this liquor PR agency? I had one this week. Um, you know, we are in a very unique and wonderful position where we say no to more business than we say yes to, and that's not the norm. but as you kind of progress in your own careers, you know that putting your name and your stamp of approval on something really means more at the end of the day than financial gain. Um, I am seeing an uptick. I certainly um, have watched the CBD that I we took on um, a year ago, You know, received funding from a venture capital group started by the co-founder of Twitter. You know, so there is a lot of big money in it. And I think once other CBD saw, you know, saw that, you know, wow, with some PR, we can get investment from, you know, Twitter, you know, co-founder of Twitter, everyone is kind of reaching out and um, kind of clamoring to be that next brand. I love that. You know, so we typically spend a lot of time on our episodes of our podcast talking to people a little bit more about kind of where you started, how you, where you interned, blah, blah, blah. So we're not necessarily going to spend time doing that right now. But what I'd love to kind of talk more about is as obviously the name of our podcast and who we are is the dream catchers. And so that's so much about what inspires us, right? So what we wanted to talk a little bit more about and then kind of leave a little bit extra time for questioning and kind of let some of the folks that are here talk to you guys if, if they want is talking about what keeps us inspired every day. Like, why do we go to work and why do we do this in general? You know, a lot of us have little kids at home or have other things that draw us back, right? Um, we're here in the evening. We left something behind to be here. So why, what is, what is it that's keeping you inspired? Um, and it could be a two-part question a little bit of, do you have a mantra that kind of keeps you going every day. We talk a lot about with our guests on our podcast, but also in our, you know, in our office all day talking about career that you not only have to feel inspired, but sometimes you have something that you say to yourself each day or all the time or every morning, some of us do it. Um, so I'd love to hear from each of you. Do you have a mantra? What keeps you inspired? Um, because hopefully that can relate to some of our audience members. Anybody can start, doesn't matter what. Sure, I'll start. Um, you know, when I was kind of this right-hand go-to person, my boss turned to me and said, you know, Kate, you're getting married. 
you really need to make a choice now. Is it going to be family or is it going to be career? You know, what are you going to pick? And my stomach turned and I thought, I'm going to do everything. Um, um, don't ask that question I'm ever. Insulted. Who is that person? She needs to download all of our episodes. <laughs> it was a man. Oh, um, okay. But, okay. Um, we have a lot of good men in here today. It's okay. We do. You know, Maybe I, even to melt. I started my business with a three-month-old at home. I now have a four-year-old and a nine-month-old. I go to work every day and I teach my employees, um, majority of which happen to be female by chance, that you can have both. And I feel very strongly about, you know, kind of promoting this work-life balance and doing things a little bit differently, like Maya has stated. You know, if I can kind of change one opinion or one way of working or one person's life and allowing them the opportunity and, and freedom to be more than one thing, then um, I have done something right. I love that. Do you have a mantra? Look at that. Wow. Kate's getting applause. Do you have a mantra that goes along with that at all or anything specific? Um, Besides just work-life balance, of course. A couple things. I mean, I think the biggest thing, um, and Robin and I were actually speaking about this earlier, was, you know, like, what is a word that stands out to you? And, you know, we were pushing each other, making sure that, you know, neither of us were going to make fools of ourselves tonight. But um, <laughs> that is another question that we ask. What's your action word? Which is similar, I guess, in, in a way to your mantra. So one um, is Will. Will is positive. Will is a power. Will is the name of my son. And Will is the reason that I started my company. Um, I think it's really important sometimes to reset. And in 2020, Will is the word that I am using to kind of, you know, remember why I am doing what I am doing. And I'm crying. <laughs> what else is new? I always cry at some point during these conversations, but I love Sorry. that. And I love Will. Um, anybody else have one that I think Andy, if you want to follow, follow that, that? That's pretty good. <laughs> Go ahead. Robin has one. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. So the word that I came up with was um, adapt because I work in a high risk industry now, um, given that our entire product line has uh, CBD in it and every day brings a new adventure, um, you know, whether it's having to find a new payment processor because someone. we're considered higher risk or <laughs> growing the team that we're building um, or, you know, a problem with the packaging that's going to delay our production. I mean, just every day is a new and different and exciting adventure. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I love my job and one of the reasons that I get up every morning and that I'm super excited to do it. Um, I I love the surprises. Um, they could they could stress me out, but they they don't. I take them in stride and um, I love the fact that our products also all include adaptogens, which are really like meant to chill you out on a cellular level. So it's really like a full circle. You really like, thought this answer adapt, through. Adapt. We practiced. We did. You we did. did. I love we, it. We I like doing the, the we had a little session on the way here. <laughs> I love it. Anyone else have a mantra or action word or something that inspires you? That's probably on the spot, but. I don't know if it's a mantra or whatever. Since since college, my friends would all always say, "Go big or go home." Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to get up in the morning and do something, do it right. Go big, always. Um, and in terms of inspiration, I think well, right now my I have a teenage daughter who's dealing with not only teenage daughter stuff that all girls deal with deal with, unfortunately, but 
We remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad I was a guy. Yeah. I just, it, 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 <laughs> look, looking back, it was a lot easier. Um, but she had a lot of medical problems this past couple of years. And just seeing her every morning go big and keep going and strive through it and never give up and really fight through it, overcome it, and still have that great attitude. It's like, hey, if she can do it, I can do it. She's graceful because she has a strong dad. Yeah, love it. It's true. Um, not really a mantra, but I think the word for me, which has kind of resonated through, is just kind of is is authenticity, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's being authentic in my interactions with uh, with who I work with, and 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 basically not bullshitting, uh, which is really a core piece in marketing, apparently. Um, so it's not doing that, and it's also like taking in mind in mind that what I do as you know a lot of the brands that I love. Um, you know, the Bushmills Distillery has been standing for 400 years in the far north of Ireland uh, in a rural community. Um, the Stranahan's Distillery that we have in Denver is uh, 20 years old and is just an amazing place full of really, really passionate people. And my challenge every day is not just you know, getting up and doing what I do for my family. But I look at that and I look at the the people who are uh, distilling, bottling, all of those things and making sure that I do my very, very best to grow all of those brands uh, to keep employment and keep those guys in jobs in what are typically for production of whiskey, very rural areas and depressed areas. Um, and I think it's a tremendous thing to be able to do that and keep doing that and growing that and bringing more people into those uh, into those industries. I love that. Good for you. What about you, Maya? Anything? Mine's a little morbid. But <laughs> <laughs> the psychotherapist has um, a morbid answer. Um, so my um, mantra is there must be darkness for there to be light. Mm-hmm. And um, being in the field that I am, I do kind of work in the shadows of people's minds and kind of explore um, certain dark parts or sad parts or missing parts or broken parts of people's minds. But um, once we do that, um, a person usually experiences these epiphanies and breakthroughs and they eventually come to the light. So um, I'm kind of a shadow worker and I do go into the darkness, but I bring them out to the, <laughs> to the other side. And that's my mantra and that's my inspiration. So I would think of that as a light worker. That you're just like yes. in the dark with like a little flashlight, just yeah. helping someone lead the yes, way. Yes, I kind of shine the light, but I say I say authenticity. I also say we rise in the struggle mm-hmm. because how can we appreciate anything if it wasn't painful to get there? Exactly. Right. Um, I think this was a, a great collection of thought, an unexpected collection of thought that was felt really good, um, or it was the whiskey. Um, I want to say one funny thing for all of you. Um, before I throw it out to the audience because I bet you have some questions or I hope you have some questions. Uh, I've already exposed myself of not really knowing certain things about this particular industry because I have always been... A little square? I would say square is actually being (laughs) respectful. I'm straight as an arrow. And I have my reasons, but I got a sample from Sephora. The only person that knows this is Robin. Um, I got a sample from Sephora with my 100 points, and some of you in the audience may not know that what that is, but for those of you that do, it's exciting when you get something cool on your Sephora points. <laughs> and it was this brand, which I know Robin, so I don't want to cheat on Robin with Haoma, but it's this major brand called Lord Jones. Okay, Lord Jones is a, a leader in the CBD industry, but more on um, luxury, like pain, pain management. 
um, and luxury because they're collaborated with some very high-end places, et cetera, almost in layman's terms for, for me, because I'm a layman, like an elevated Ben Gay, okay? So I get this sample, but I think it's a face oil because I don't, I, you know, I don't always look this good, girls and boys. Um, so and I good. think it's a face oil, and I am using it all over my face. And so I tell Robin, I really like it, and like sheepish about it. I tell Robin I like it, and she goes, which one is it, the one with the black cap? We're having like a one-dimensional text conversation. So I decided I'm gonna look it up. So I was using a face oil, which was actually a pain medication. <laughs> um, an ingestible. This an is an ingestible, ingestible pain medication. Something you're supposed to be putting in your mouth. As a face oil, which is why I look so dewy and fresh today, <laughs> because it's extremely concentrated, and we have actually no idea what's in it. But it's been all over my face for multiple days. Um, luckily, I've used so much of it that I don't have to worry about the consequences because the sample's empty. But that is a true story, and it did happen. So. I like to be emotionally connected with my audience. Now you can all leave here knowing that something really embarrassing happened to me. And with that said, I'd like to ask you all um, if you have any questions for our panelists, because this is a warm, intimate environment, and you should speak up. Anyone? Do not be shy. I have Good. <laughs> Good. Should we, Ming, do, should we put this on the mic? Do you mind share, sharing it on the mic? Can you come up? <laughs> no, she's not that brave. She's brave, but she, she well, can speak up. I can speak up. Um, I'm interested in knowing the challenges you face with trying to help people become licensed. Like, is there different directions you have to take for different industries? Like, if you're ingesting something, or you're using it in a product like ramen is? Yeah, so i begin with a couple of things. There's Did you hear that question on there, Ming? Yes, yes, okay. Just making sure we're capturing all of it. Go ahead. So I'll start with focus on New Jersey because half the problem with this is every single state is every different. Every single state is different. Basically, except for hemp-derived CBD products, and I'll explain it in a second. Which is what ours is. Which is, yeah. Which is also why you don't sell in all the Nemo's. Also don't really sell. understand what the difference is between hemp and... So let's start, let's start there. Yeah. Marijuana, the stuff you smoked in college, that's illegal federally. So just, it's illegal on the federal level. So police can arrest you for it no matter where you are. You go to Colorado, you can buy it and smoke it. The state cop in Colorado is not gonna arrest you for it. A federal officer could, so that's one issue. That's everywhere. Then you have hemp, so. I don't get that. <laughs> Sorry, straight line doesn't understand that. <laughs> two bo two well, cops are in a bar, I could get in trouble? Federal by, government, by state yeah. government, different yeah. regulations, that's the issue. Yeah. So you think I should be listening to the debates a little bit? <laughs> should, I put the, should I take it off mute? Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. It's not pretty so, to look so at. So hemp, hemp and marijuana, they're from the same plant, but they're basically two different things. And what it really means is THC, what people were talking about, that's what got you high. That's what people liked. Mm -hmm. And think about marijuana as a THC. Hemp, by definition, has to have less than 0.3%. So you can smoke as much hemp as you want, and it's not going to give you that high. So that's the main difference between the two things. <laughs> Andy's like, nah. <laughs> yeah. And so most of the products, especially the, good, the, real, the real products, they derive their CBD. Both marijuana and hemp have CBD in it, so you can pull it out of either one. But the hemp, take the CBD out of hemp, and the federal government now has said that's legal. So you go to that same bar and you have a federal cop and a state cop, they all should be saying, oh, that's hemp CBD, go ahead and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody understands that just yet, 
Um, but so that's one of the big distinctions. And so if you want to get in terms of a licensing in like New Jersey, right now there's only medical marijuana licenses available. They've, been, they've had windows open this, this past year and the year before that. They've given out 12 licenses, so you can't get a license. <laughs> it's very difficult. If you want to get involved in the hemp CBD space, there's a lot of laws you got to follow to make sure you're not making false claims, you're not saying it can cure cancer, not, not false advertising, doing those sorts of things. But it's an opportunity where you can get involved because it is legal. You know, you can start like Scarlet Reserve. They, they yes, set, Scarlet Reserve. They, they set up a company. They're buying product from reputable producers across the country because it's hemp CBD. It can be imported into New Jersey, and you have all these, this variety of products available. Can I ask a second part? Yes, of course. How does that affect your liability with insurance? What are the laws about that? You want to talk? Have you had, have you been able to get insurance for your products for your company? We we are insured, um, but you're considered a high risk company. If anything, it's the challenges that we have faced, um, and we are uh, hemp derived, so we have the least limitations of you know any. Um, company entering this kind of space and also we're topical and not ingested so that's also something that's unless you're marissa she's just drinking well, it. right unless you're marissa and you're, <laughs> she's just drinking the face oil i don't get it um um the, it's the, the the credit cards are not allowed to process your orders because it's federally illegal. So it's really hard to find um, banks that will work with you wow. um, in order to complete transactions. And that has been something that has been, you know, I, I come from the marketing space and I started in this company before we began. And it has been like one of the biggest, most fun kind of an exciting and crazy projects that I've worked on since I started at Hayoma was just figuring out, you know, because. Uh, the other piece of it is that it's changing every single day and you know one bang would do it on Monday and then on Tuesday they decide that they won't so there's a whole slew of CBD companies who cannot I see the guy from Scarlet Res uh, back there like laughing you know they can't they can no longer accept payments from um, their consumers and it's a problem so it's it's just it's the Wild West right now it's changing every other day um, and that has been a bigger challenge to us than than insurance. So in order to get involved in it, you have to have extra money so that you can waste it until you figure out what's happening. Do you mean on legal fees, trying to figure no, all this I out? Mean, or? <laughs> in all fairness, it's like these people are going to start these dreamer businesses, like this you know, American dream business in this new space. Because it's not regulated, because there are no laws, there's no way to know what you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's also like there's certain um, even website providers that you can't use their platform. Mm -hmm. They will not, they will not, um, you know, when we first were looking, you know, I started at the company almost, I guess, a year and a half ago. You know, I believe Shopify at the time was not really accepting CBD clients and their Shopify Plus, which is for more, you know, uh, high volume. You know, it's, but it literally changes every day. Shopify is the platform we all use when we're checking out online. Oh, right. And then the whole, there's all the challenges when it comes to advertising with Google and Facebook and Instagram and there are so many workarounds that you you need to be really creative is what I'll say if you want to be able to market products in this space wow. and beyond think, grassroots and, and I think that's where the, sell. And I think that's where the PR piece comes in really right. as well because like a great hit of getting your product mentioned on The View or something like that can give you access to something that you can't get through traditional advertising because it's so restrictive. 
uh, and it's it, it's it's such a restricted space uh, and such a poorly understood space right now. Uh, even people within it, it, it's 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 you know it's the wild west, and it's this lack of regulation and lack of understanding of like what is legal federally versus locally um, it is you know and that I don't see anyone that's you know the, the the leaders in the space will be people who actually start educating around that um, and and making you know educating probably lawmakers so you know the something that you're doing which is like no this should not be illegal this you know this, this so for banking and access to those kind of things it's like that can be transformative to people that want to get into the space and i think what we're seeing is a lot of people want to get into the space and have no clue of just how complex and how regulated it is um uh, not just in their own state but across the u.s and so I, sean i, I have I've two questions from, wait yeah. one sec i have two questions for you if you can you give us a tangible i'll say them both before i forget them a tangible example of something that is similar to this level of big question mark Gun, I mean, would, would it have been music highly, I mean, when, it, when, when music went from t to digital would that be an equivalent of like untamed chartered territory I think it's I, alcohol I was going to say that was what attracted me to this to me this alcohol, was yeah. you know having lived um, having like worked prohibition. in experience right this is prohibition, prohibition well. 2.0 yeah I mean we're, so, so we are now this is the it's, this year is the 100th anniversary of prohibition, prohibition which was a, a ludicrous um but we got to prohibition from people not understanding not understanding and a coalition of like different people getting together to try and prohibit um uh beer and liquor beer and wine. they thought the beer and wine would get through and it, and it would just be liquor so a lot of people not understanding what they were signing on for and not understanding the consequences of prohibiting something that people enjoyed and used most people used responsibly um the so you know, prohibition was enacted um, uh, 13 years later. I mean, it's the only thing that's got like two amendments in the U.S. Constitution. Um, so it, the, you know, the it it was a failure on so many levels. Unless you were in organized crime um, or a Kennedy, apparently, uh, <laughs> but, um, it was a failure. Uh, and then what it did at the end of that is it set up a system of laws in 1933 which really haven't changed dramatically to this day. And so we have a system in, in liquor, in beer. The, well, firstly, the beer and the liquor systems are, are, are different in terms of how they can be distributed, where they can be distributed. Um, I deal every single day with 50 different states uh, and 50 different sets of laws and taxes um, and what you can do in all of those different states. Um, it's so highly regulated um, that even when I'm looking at something like, you know, uh, national campaigns and what we can do for consumers. I can't. We can't give anything to a consumer in the state of California that's worth more than fifty cents. So there's crazy things like that. We can't ship over state lines. So uh, no, no, no liquor can be. You know, if I bring technically, if I bring a bottle of liquor from New York across into New Jersey, I'm breaking a law because I'm crossing state lines. These things are all still on the books. So the liquor industry, the beer industry is all tremendously, highly, highly regulated. Wait, I've definitely um, done that. Yeah, well, like we, we not, live in the tri-state so area. We do that every day. Like yeah. I, I might Kate have actually done it today. To bring yeah. the cut water and, here, and it's not taking so us. And it's taking us. I mean, we're, there's still there's some movement in some states on some of those laws, um, but there were 18 states where the government controlled everything, 
And since prohibition, only one of those states has actually changed to being open and having retailers and whatever else control it and supply it. Um, so that's how slow some of these laws Vir- can Virginia change. Virginia is one of those, the, right? Yeah, Virginia is a control right, Because state. I went to yeah. school in Virginia. We had to go to a, like a store. You had to go to a, you had to go to a state-owned right? store yeah. to buy liquor. By the way, but, our fake you, IDs didn't work there. Yeah, but you, <laughs> but you can buy beer or wine in a grocery store. Right. And then in other states, you can buy, you know, you can buy liquor and you can buy beer and you can buy wine in a grocery store. Um, in Florida, you can, but it has to be there has to be a separate wall between where you buy your groceries and buy, where you buy your. Oh I actually God. noticed that myself. Right. I was just in recently. Like in, or I was just foods. in Texas yes. for the first time. It was in Austin, and I was at they Walgreens. Label, they have the labels, and too. I was like, "Wait, this there's like a full liquor store right now in Walgreens." I remember I was like texting my friends, like, "Do we need anything?" Like, I just went to get something else, but I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm stocking up for the night here too." It was like shocking. I also have been living in the suburbs, I guess, for too long, but I was like wow I, I didn't realize that they had this in texas versus what i'm used to and then the state well, has different laws I right mean. yeah and not only that in texas and in many other states you have it's down to a county level of what they can and yes. can't do so the you know um dry county great bon jovi song um, yeah great song uh, one of my clients uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, <he is. laughs> like there's dry counties all around texas and then there's some you know there's some wet counties where you can actually sell booze so there's still there's still places in the united states almost 100 years after prohibition where you cannot legally buy alcohol um so and, and that in utah me, is yeah i mean there's I've many, been. yeah so there's there's ocean many city, places Mar- there. is it ocean city new jersey or maryland ocean, one of them ocean, ocean grove. grove ocean grove you know sean i don't want to get away from our friend what's your first name Elizabeth. So I'm, I'm going to guess either Elizabeth is interested in this space and or entrepreneurial or someone that she loves is. So if you were to give her good advice, other than the fact that no matter what idea she'd have, she'd have to figure out how to do it in 50 states, <laughs> not intimidating at all. How could you guide? What would be your first ounce of advice for someone like Elizabeth? Definitely start in the hemp CBD space. That's the safest space. Um, and unfortunately for you, I've heard from a lot of clients, they know they've made it in the cannabis or hemp space when their bank account could shut down. That's how they feel they've sort of now made it. So you probably have to go find somebody like Alan who's willing to invest on the <coughs> private funding. You know, look for people who can who can fund you and help really bank you, bankroll your, 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 your products um, and then network. Find the people you know who already have resources that you can take advantage of uh and like we were, like i was saying before find people or you were saying find people who have ancillary businesses that could support whatever it is you're trying to do anyone else have questions I do. joe joe we know joe's name so i have a background in engineering but the last 14 years i've been doing the access control fire safety burr alarms i know that's getting into the dispensaries distilleries the cannabis industry I just want to get your take on that. Um, that one, one of the one of the on the New Jersey medical marijuana dispensary applications. One of the biggest sections and point totals is security. How are you going to make sure this product that you can track it from seed to sale? It's not going to go out the back door. You can completely control it. Not only that, that your customers aren't going to get attacked in the in your parking lot outside. 
that when you're when you're walk when you're walking out with bank with bags of cash because you can't take credit cards, how are you going to get your employees safe? It's really wild. That's what really think of and fire safety issues. So flammable. Can I can I add my yeah, my husband please. actually has a dispenser in California and it took him years to get the licensing, and I kind of know the back end of how hard it is to get the licensing and they get broken into like once a week. Like people rob them. They rob their plants. So why they are they ro they're robbing them because it's illegal? They steal plants. They steal whatever they it's can. Because sure. it's not. It's very hard. Yeah, yeah cash for cash. So I have another question for this. So I'm, I'm working with integrators that do fire safety, do access control. Um, I know it too very well, but I'm working with integrators. How would I apply their knowledge base and my knowledge base to dispensaries, distilleries, um, whatever, whatever involved in the cannabis industry? Yeah, unfortunately in New Jersey, there's not a lot of opportunities yet to get involved because there's only a couple of places actually doing this. So a lot of people, you have to. You, you got to move to Colorado, Joe. Go to seriously. Go it's a cool spend place, some time apparently. in Colorado. Other places. Washington, talk to people California. who are doing that. Look up security companies in other states who are actually involved in the business doing that. Learn from them. So then, when the next opportunity comes here in New Jersey, you're now ready for it. We say it all the time. Network most we need it the least. By the way, Joe, look for those companies on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. And yeah. literally connect with someone that's further ahead than you. I have one already. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And engage, like you add someone that's doing what you would ideally envision that you would want to do. And pick their brain. And literally connect with them and say, I'm in a state that's not there yet, but I'm starting to think about how I can engage in this. I'd love to have a virtual coffee with you. And by the way, if people have done that, Nine times out of ten, they're willing to help. They want to. In, well, they they're going to want to grow their footprint. Yes. So, like, if it becomes legal here, they're going to want somebody who they've maybe right. schooled and have trained. You could be someone's minion out of a, a Colorado. Well, and the other thing is, you, you also mentioned um, distilleries and being in that space, and that is something where there's a lot more of those. Um, there's a lot more craft distilleries that are growing up, you know, across the U.S. I mean, there's craft distilleries down. There's craft distillery in Newark, which is doesn't sound that delicious to me but there's a craft distillery there um there's uh, asbury so that was a that was a planted um, comment so, but there's um so there's there's more of those kind of pieces and like those craft distilleries um are, are typically kind of uh shoestrung together a lot of them but there's there's they have significant issues in that space and i talk about that from i used to work with hudson whiskey uh, and they very nearly lost the distillery uh, one uh, one during one element of distillation because they they didn't really know what they were doing and didn't have the right fire suppression systems. Wow. Um, so that's a space where there's more craft distilleries, and you can certainly you know visit them and see what they've got. They're open to the public, so you can go see what they've got and get an idea of that. Um, and it's that's a that's a more open space right now. I want to ask a question because I feel like someone in the audience wants to ask it and maybe doesn't have the courage to do so, so I'm going to do it, um, which goes into normalizing. And I know we're talking light, and I'm, I'm not going back to the dark side. I'm going back to the flashlight. But you can't go to the light until you go through right. the dark. Right. So for those of us, and I'm asking for a friend, that are anxious or prone to anxiety, um, and or even more specifically, I'm fortunate because I have two children that really don't resist sleep. You hear a lot of talk in parenting groups and also all of us, and it's not just kids, about falling asleep, staying asleep, anxiety, stuff like that. You know, what's your stance on kids 
And I mean, what's the what's the thing that a lot my mom, my one my best friend's kid hates to sleep, and she definitely has used melatonin. Melatonin that was the word I was going for for a while. And I know that my other very dear friend's child has was very anxiety prone, not in a sickness way but in just an anxious child and she was trying cbd oil to see how it affected her what's your what's your stake on that i mean that's a bold question you but mean like getting what, kids high no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay so here's the thing you know i i'm gonna start at a kind of a global view i mean 20 years ago people were like smoking in airplanes and like uh, they didn't give a shit about what the hell was going on right right um so we definitely changed and we're changing with each generation and the kids are changing and we're seeing actually more anxiety more issues and i guess what you're asking me is is it okay to give cbd to children so i don't want to like i don't want someone to like hunt me down at bellworks in my office and tell me that they gave their kid cbd and now the kid is not okay but i'm also in a lot of these groups and And what I can tell you is that if you're choosing between giving your kid, you know, something that is already prescription based, my stance is first try therapy, try yoga, try everything natural. And CBD is natural. After all, it is plant based. So when you're choosing between the two and your child is not sleeping and therefore they're probably not functioning well in school and they're probably struggling with their peers and struggling within all different contexts. Should you try CBD? I mean, I I don't want to give you a clear answer because I don't want to get in trouble. But yes. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it's so interesting as a, as a whole it's so interesting that this our resistance as a culture is to something that's natural yeah but and let's all not of us forget are how we with antibiotics up. and chemicals and all this yeah. crap and the exactly. country is set up against something that's natural and like grown in it from it's here. a plant yes. Listen, it's a tequila plant. comes from is, a plant too like i'm like scribing left and right though. like yeah. is like that same kid <laughs> is eating like swedish fish and having jello and they're getting like food coloring and unnatural crap and, and then all that's okay. food and then we're like oh my god cbd i mean seriously it's so funny actually I'm having some epiphany moments. Maybe it's my oil that I have on my face. <laughs> um, is there anything else that anyone else in the audience want to ask? Oh, Paola's always good with a question. Go. Um, I would love to know what's the difference between CBD and CBG. Because I just went to like a place that, I, that they offer me all these different options. And, and I, I love CBD, but now there's like CBG and other stuff. Can I have some insights in that? So... CBD, CBG, so the whole alphabet. There's, well, I think there's like I think there's, there's 400 there's, compounds in the cannabis sativa plant. I was going to say 360, but we'll go with 400. So yeah, so the, all these, I just think of it, different ingredients, different things in it. That and part of the problem is because we haven't been able to have research, mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what each one does. But there's anecdotal evidence as to different things having different different effects. And so CBG may affect the brain and different receptors in the brain. So you might have a slightly different effect. But it just, it's just one more different ingredient in, in the cannabis. Tequila plant. versus beer. What's the difference? Or the menu in, or the mess doing. Or like the menu. Like I hate to, I hate to put it this way, but when I studied abroad, as Marissa likes to have pointed out, I, I may have been the, the more... Um, I don't know, exploratory sister. So when I studied abroad and you go to, I am the baby. When you go to, um, in Amsterdam and you get like a menu literally of like 
15, 20, 30 different types of pot that you can get. I obviously didn't go to Amsterdam. Right. Shocking. So like, I'm guessing, forgive me, but I'm guessing it's a similar concept that there's just so many different areas of this plant that do so many different things is my overall guess of an answer. I I think from what my understanding is that there's there's like 60 compounds that only exist in the cannabis sativa plant. There is so much to be learned about this specific plant. Um, I am not an expert on all the cannabinoids, but I do know that there's one called CBN, which is supposed to be helpful to induce sleep uh, when ingested. Um, CBG, I'm not an expert on, but they all, they, every single cannabinoid has a specific um, uh, thing that it taps into in your endocannabinoids, in your receptors, exactly. So I have two questions to pick up on what she's saying, directing to you and Maya. Um, So, in Eastern culture, Eastern medicine, and or what's, I don't know the modern way of saying a Chinese medicine doctor. Um, what is that school? It's a, what is Holistic? it called? Homeopathic? No, I can't remember the name of it. Um, there's a fancy word for a Chinese medicine doctor, but I know there's a phenomenal school in, in LA, and my best friend's sister is one, and all this different stuff. Were they, do they use this stuff? I mean, they're using all sorts of herbs. So maybe people have been using this the whole time and now everyone's just getting wind of it. Is that possible? I mean, I can't. And or how does that East culture, the ones that engage in acupuncture and energy movement and Tai Chi and all the stuff that's a little bit more non-traditional and holistic, how do they respond to this business? And what's their, is there any commentary on it? Or just maybe they don't care. I, I could comment, but it's yeah. going to be really out of like, it's, all right. So I go I'm to into like, your comments. I'm into right, your cool. answers, right. Maya. My answers are funky, right? So <laughs> I go to a lot of healers, psychics, like voodoo, yeah. schmoodoo, like weird stuff, right? Because I got to like clear all this stuff out all the time, yeah. right? Because you have to give to other people. Yeah. So I have to be like on empty to, to help others. So I have to constantly do that. And my healer, who's phenomenal, um, she always says that you can't do anything that... Um, goes up too fast because then you come down too fast, right? So um, she's okay with like CBD, but this is kind of going into a whole different arena, but we're talking about like... um what are the, all those like drugs now that people are taking like ayahuasca right there's um, a lot of microdosing happening a lot of microdosing mushrooms I just watched that goop episode of goop exactly exactly the right? microdosing of shrooms in Jamaica I highly recommend goop lab if you have not watched it it's yeah. fascinating yeah. what people are doing and energy healing and but such you guys like are so much better than goop by the way anyway thank you oh look at that thanks yeah. Maya hey, hey. Right. but anyways just to kind of um, yeah so when, so she's highly intuitive. She's a psychic. She's a healer. She knows all about the body, the chakra system. And she says, anything that's going to get you really, really up there is going to bring you down really, really fast. So with CBD, with any products, just to kind of warn people out there, if it makes you feel really good, really, really fast, this goes with love too, right? Like if you're feeling really good. But um, anything that goes up really fast, you're going to come down really fast. So you do have to really, and I think that's with Chinese medicine, healers, all that stuff, it's um, a slower burn. Like you heard into anything a, holistic. You're going to have to do it much slower. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting concept as a consumer. I think about this. I experienced CBD for the first time, probably uh, about a year ago in October. I went on a retreat to Tulum and we were able to get some CBD samples of like a like a topical pain thing that's supposed to go on your body, not your face. Mm-hmm. Aware. And um 
similar, like, I guess dissimilar to like a China gel or a Ben Gay feeling. At first I was like, I don't really feel it. Like I wanted to like get in there. Like, you know, I was like feeling sore. We had just done like a ton of working out. It definitely takes even like, that's an interesting way of thinking of it as a consumer. I'm like, I don't feel it quite as like, it doesn't feel like that minty feeling on your skin right away. But then all of a sudden you're like, I feel better. You know what I mean? So it was a topical, um, you know, serum of some kind, like a, a, a rub or an oil. And it definitely takes a little bit of time to get into your muscles, I think. Um, but over the course of time of using it, I felt way better than using some of the more um, traditional stuff, which I think is a really interesting thing as a takeaway as a consumer. So now have I read all of your minds and asked all of your questions? Oh, Elizabeth. seems to me a, a social justice um, concern, really. It's almost like a medical industry. That it, it seems like there needs to be so many extreme studies as to the potency of things and how it affects different genes and you know medical issues. So you can safely say, I want to get into this industry. This is where I want to go. And I don't want to affect this group of people or that group of people. And it seems to me that it, it should be a very slow growth. And, and saying that, I'd like to know what you, you guys think about it. Um, well, I, if I, I can jump in there. I mean, I, it, it was one of the, I, I did a lot of different sort of scenario plans um, looking at what would potentially happen uh, with whether we get to like national uh, legalized recreational cannabis and things like that. Um, and uh, I have to say that the the outcome of what a lot of the stuff, the, the research that I did, I was terrified by the pace of change and the, the lack of research that was going on. Because I think that, you know, you... you um, there's some people that are in this space and they're very good actors and um, they have the best of everyone's intent, best of everyone's interests at mind. There's another lot of people who are in this for a very fast buck in, and they're the ones I think are pushing legislatures um, to legalize um, rather than decriminalize. There's, there's a big difference between those two things. Um, and I'm I'm truly like I've, you know I've I've a I've three kids and I'm terrified as to what would happen with um, with fully legal open access without really truly understanding the impacts understanding the potencies um, what each of them can do to you especially you know there's there's a reason there's a reason that liquor is like a 21 and up or it's 18 and up where I come from and it's it's the impacts it can have on a developing brain. Um, without you know before a fully developed brain um, now when you put something with increasing potency like uh, you know like cannabis like increasing potency on younger brains um, it it terrifies me as you know it's again in Colorado they've seen a whole load of emergency room visits and a massive increase in, in in anxiety attacks and there's been attributable deaths to THC overdoses um, and again, it doesn't get widely reported because there's a lot of people who have got- I was going to say, a, we don't hear about that. No, you, you don't. Because again, you've got to dig through a lot of like research and articles and things like that. There's a tremendous groundswell which says like, you know, recreational cannabis 
it's just a joint, it's totally safe and whatever else, and it's not, uh, which is what I go back to with like the potencies and things like that. Um, you know, it's bad enough with people driving with a cell phone. We don't know what potency affects somebody uh, with cannabis uh, and what the impacts will be of one gummy or two gummies or ingestibles because, you know, you'll have something and oh, it's not really working I'll have some more oh, it's not really working and then it kicks in you don't know the impact it will have on your body and there's no real way of like regulating that right now yeah. because it's not legal and controlled at a federal level um, so for me uh, and you know my, my sort of the, the conclusion on my research on this stuff was that um, I'm terrified by it going like legal and recreational because there's a whole number of companies out there who are trying to make a fast buck and as we saw with opioids and things like that, you can't trust some of these actors. Um, so I'd be really, really cautious in expansion of uh, of, of access um, uh, and availability for like legal recreational drugs like cannabis. Eek. And that's why I do nothing. <laughs> that's why I drink whiskey. And that's why I stick with my tequila. Because I understand it. Although I did have a nice sip. Um, okay. So I feel like... We've covered quite a lot of ground. I feel very intimately connected to this panel. Right, Sean? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I feel like it's time, unless anybody else has anything else that they want to ask, I feel like we can start to close. Yes? Okay. Sure. Um, so we usually close with something fun and light. Um, and I will, Jamie likes to usually ask it, but I'm going to steal her thunder and keep it simple and say, you know, we're in Bellwork. Some of you are new here, so I'm going to split, I'm going to split it. So we usually will say like, what's your favorite order at your hometown restaurant? And since Bellworks is your hometown, um, enlighten the crew here. That next time you're here, when it's, everything's open upstairs where you should eat. Yes. And if, by the way, I should go back a minute. Marissa stole my thunder One of the things That we like to wrap Our interviews With just something That's like unrelated To all of the Shadows and darkness And amazingness And all the things That we've discussed um, And we find that You know we have Several questions But this is One of our favorites We just love food And we love talking About food And um, I think it would be A fun thing to talk about So you could either Answer with What's your go-to order At your favorite Bellworks restaurant If you work here And for those That of you are not Or new to Bellworks You'll know for next time. Correct. And, and if you're if you're not a Bellworks employee, what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? And, and it does it's it, timely because we're all hungry. And it's yeah, correct. And it doesn't need to be hometown London. It can be hometown Fairhaven. Depends how you want to answer the question. So go ahead. Anybody want to start? I'll start and I'll answer both questions. Love there. it. Go ahead. Upstairs the Mexican place, uh, Estrella Luna. You combine you combine the Mexican and the Italian. <laughs> I did. Estrella Luna. I love it. Yeah. Chicken quesadilla is fabulous. Fabulous. Okay. Fabulous. Yum. Yum. I want a chicken quesadilla right now. And if you're outside of Bellworks, local smoke barbecue. Love local smoke. Their dry rub wings, amazing. Kate's a big local smoke catering person, and I had her, their mac I and am. cheese at her son's Will. Will we talked about Will? Will's birthday party, and it changed my life. <laughs> it's really good mac and cheese. Wait, you said the wings were good? The wings are really dry good. Dry rub there. wings are amazing. Those. They're so good. Yeah. Wow. Food's great there. I love the ramen. Um, I, I don't know what it's called, but. At Bell yeah, Market. At the market. I love the ramen. It's just like such a comfort food. It's yummy. Yeah. Good answer. Andy? Uh, 
I don't know. Not, this is my first time at Bellworks. So okay, so not Bellworks. I can't so. answer Bellworks. Um, I would probably go for... Um, let me think. There's not really that much in fair. I'm going to go across to Red Bank because uh, I, I'm with you on like local smoke is my is, is my go to. Sounds so like good. A barbecue. What do you get at local smoke? What's your favorite order? Everything. Everything. <laughs> like the pitmaster combo, a little bit of everything. When you're first pulling into Red Bank from here, it's right like across from the Galleria. It's right there. It's so good. It's casual. Like it's just like a like a table number. Their other location is like uh, by ne- Brad, like Neptune. City. Neptune. Yeah. Robin, well, Robin, Robin like, loves food. You guys, you Robin guys, I loves feel like food. everybody. This, I, I questions like for you, the Robin. Panel that knows the part of the panel <laughs> that knows me probably knows exactly what I'm going to say because I'm oh, I know. such a regular. Yeah, I know. Oh, here it want, is. I got it. Should we say it together? Okay, just go ahead. Okay. Kimchi okay. rice bowl from Seed to Sprout. That totally right. The kimchi <laughs> rice bowl from Seed to Sprout. It's like this vegan place. It's awesome. I eat it at least once or twice a week. By the way, Robin introduced me to Seed to Sprout, and I have to say, I'm not vegan, and I love. I'm a meat eater. Um, their food is so good at Seed to so Sprout. Good. In fact, I introduced Maris to the buffalo chickpea salad from there, which is like cashew ranch dressing, which I would have usually, um, I like to eat healthy now, but like I would have been like, oh, that's gross. Like I want real ranch. And it's really, really good. And they have another location down down further too. Avon, right? Avon, yeah. yeah. I was going to go very healthy, but I'm changing it up. And I'm keeping it authentic and real to the Rumson Fairhaven area. And that is a burger from Barnacle Bills. With a side of John John Bon Jovi wandering in. Yeah, it's perfect. We'd love a John Bon Jovi sighting at any time. Happy to take one. I saw him. Beer Vino. (laughs) At Beer Vino. It's another embarrassing moment. Marissa, what's your favorite order at your favorite restaurant at Bellworks or outside of Bellworks? Um, I really, really enjoyed the custom, like making my own salad upstairs at the, um, at the Italian place, Mezzaluna, not Mezzaluna. That's the place I used to live around the corner from on the Upper East Side. (laughs) No, it's called Mezzaluna here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, but someone, one of the girls that works for us was in town, um, last month visiting and she said she had like this shrimp wrap and she said that while she was eating it, she already missed it. She goes, I'm already, I'm halfway like, done and I miss like, it. She, and I said, I'm like, I've never heard someone sell something so well. But I, I, I don't eat a lot of bread. So I had them make it for me on a salad. And I'm, I've been thinking about it ever since. So I love the um, Asian salad upstairs at the market because the dressing is I also really like good. the hummus I guess place. I like dressing. I, yeah. I don't know. You like a, you're a, I you're like a, a little good dressing. Person. Also, okay. to go back to Rumson Fairhaven area. There's some differing opinions on this, but so Yumi Sushi, I think in my opinion, is some of the best sushi I've ever had, not just down here when people are like, it's just good for here. So if you've never had Yumi from Seabright now in Red Bank, incredible. But Sansu Sushi, there's some differing opinions on the panel, um, in Fairhaven has something called a spicy tuna pizza. That's like a crispy rice on the bottom and they like build on top of it. I think we've crossed over from yeah. like panel conversations. <laughs> no, like I'm just saying I highly recommend it. That's all. And I know Ming's a foodie, so he likes having these conversations. Well, thank you to everybody for being here, for your enthusiasm, your good ears. Thank you to Ming for always supporting us and Paula and Brooke and the team at Bellworks. And if you're new to Bellworks, please make sure to walk around upstairs. It's gorgeous at night. It's gorgeous all the time. And if you have any questions for any, for any of us on the panel, we're here. 
have another cocktail. And shameless plug for our brand new website, www.dreamcatchers.life, which by the way, I had no idea that it existed, but we took it and we're really embracing uncharted happy. waters. We love it because it's we it kind of ex- describes who we are because we're not really a dot com kind of duo. No, we're a dot life kind of duo. Yep. So thank you for being here, everybody.